No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Sooner or later, someone close to us will pass from this life. So how do we respond to that? As the house of Israel mourned the death of their father, Joseph's brothers became afraid. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Genesis chapter 50 on Simply the Bible. At the age of 147, after blessing all 12 of his sons, Israel pulled his feet up into his bed and passed from this life. We pick it up in Genesis chapter 50. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for him, for such are the days required for those who are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him seventy days. The hearts of father and son were closely intertwined. When Jacob thought that Joseph was dead, he wept for many days. And now that Jacob had passed, Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him. Every account of Joseph weeping was always for others. Though he endured much hardship and injustice, as far as we know, he never shed a tear in self-pity. As prime minister, Joseph had the best of Egypt at his fingertips. No one embalmed like the Egyptians. The entire process took 40 days. Even today, we don't fully understand all that they did to make this such an effective process. For Joseph's sake, Jacob's body received the Cadillac treatment of embalming. The Egyptians' religion required that the body be preserved so that the deceased could enjoy the afterlife. But the purpose of embalming Jacob was thoroughly practical. They needed to preserve his body for the 300-mile journey back to Canaan. The Egyptians mourned an additional 30 days beyond this for a total of 70 days, two days short of the prescribed mourning period for the death of a pharaoh. As the father of Joseph, Jacob was highly regarded in Egypt. Verse 4, Now when the days of mourning were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the hearing of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am dying in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will come back. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. Joseph did not address Pharaoh directly, but made his requests to Pharaoh's household. The Egyptians highly honored their fathers and had a great respect for the dead. Pharaoh understood the need for Joseph to fulfill his oath to his father. Joseph and his brothers had proven to be an invaluable asset, so Pharaoh was probably concerned that once they returned to Canaan, they may not come back. Joseph assured him that he would be coming back, so Pharaoh gave him permission to go and bury his father. 
Verse 7, so Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the house of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's house. Only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great gathering. This was by far the greatest funeral procession in the Bible. First was the house of Israel, including Joseph, his brothers, their wives, and adult children. They left their little ones, flocks, and herds in Egypt, which was a guarantee to Pharaoh that they would return. Second were all the government officials, including the elders of Pharaoh's house, his servants, and the elders of the land. And third was a military escort of chariots and horsemen. Clearly, the Egyptians were very grateful for what Joseph had done. This descendant of Abraham was a blessing to the world and a picture of the promised seed to come. Verse 10, Then they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, and they mourned there with a great and very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a deep mourning of the Egyptians. Therefore, its name was called Abel-Mizraim, which is beyond the Jordan. In a sense, this was a dress rehearsal for the exodus that would occur 400 years later. They traveled around the south end of the Dead Sea on the east side of the Jordan River, which would be the same route the children of Israel would take with Moses. They stopped at the threshing floor of Atad, where they mourned for another seven days with a great and very solemn lamentation. I try to imagine what this must have sounded like, but I have nothing to compare it to. It was such a spectacular event that the local Canaanites called it Abel Mizraim, which means mourning of Egypt. And this brings up a question. What is the place of grief in the life of a believer? While we do not sorrow as those who have no hope, it's perfectly natural to grieve and weep over the passing of a loved one. If he or she was a Christian, then we know they are better off by far. And one day, we will certainly be reunited. But we do grieve the loss of their friendship, fellowship, and presence in the here and now. Even Jesus wept at the death of a friend. So his sons did for him just as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite as property for a burial place. And after he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who went up with him to bury his father. At great cost to themselves, Jacob's sons carried out their father's wishes. Now Israel was interred with Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, and Leah. He would be in the promised land with his family on resurrection day. But was this necessary? I don't believe so. 
since at the sounding of the last trumpet, we will all gather together with the Lord in the air, regardless of where our body molecules end up. But it was important to Jacob, and Joseph and his brothers honored their father's request. Verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. The repercussions of sin go on and on. It had been nearly 40 years since they sold Joseph as a slave, and still they were plagued by guilt and fear. If only we could feel these lasting effects of sin before we sin, then maybe we wouldn't sin to begin with. But the devil is always presenting the bait and hiding the hook. There is a godly guilt that leads to conviction and repentance and draws us near to God. But there is also an ungodly guilt that leads to fear and condemnation and drives us away from God. How do we know the difference? There are two questions we can ask ourselves. First, have I confessed this sin to God? The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is not hard of hearing. You can rest assured that if you confessed your sin once and He heard you and forgave you and cleansed you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Second, does the admission of this sin bring me closer to God? If it is genuine conviction of the Holy Spirit, then it will lead to oneness with God. But if you are feeling condemned, then that is from the devil, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Joseph forgave his brothers 17 years earlier, but they never forgave themselves. And now that their father had died, this old guilt sprung to life and brought fear that now Joseph would pay them back for the evil they had done. They were so terrified that they sent messengers with the story that their father commanded them to tell Joseph to forgive them. But if Jacob had truly felt this way, he would have told Joseph himself. In 17 years, Joseph had given no hint that he was holding anything against his brothers. He had only shown them mercy, forgiveness, and grace. But false guilt leads to fear and even deceit. When Joseph heard this, he wept. To think that his brothers were still carrying this guilt, that they thought his forgiveness was only an act, and that their fear was keeping them away so that they would send messengers rather than talking to him directly, it all broke Joseph's heart. Verse 18, Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph assured his brothers in three ways. 
First, he said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Joseph knew what his place was and what it wasn't. He was prime minister of Egypt, but he wasn't God. It wasn't his place to judge them for their actions. It's a good lesson for all of us to learn that God hasn't called us to judge, but to love. Second, Joseph told them that though they meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Over the past four decades, Joseph had seen God take every circumstance that seemed bad at the time and use it to work good in his life and in the lives of others. Third, Joseph assured them that they didn't need to be afraid because he would provide for them and their little ones. And then he spoke kindly to them. This story reminds us all that we need not feel guilty or fearful over our past sins that we've already confessed to God. Because Christ paid for our sins in full, God forgives us. I remember seeing a t-shirt one time that said, the next time the devil reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. God wants us to accept our pardon simply because he says so. Don't let ungodly guilt make you afraid and separate you from God who loves you. Christ took our pain, blame, and shame to Calvary and paid for it all. He has forgiven you and remembers your sins no more. So, let them go. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. To listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, just go to their website at calvarytv.org. Tomorrow we will conclude Genesis with the death of Joseph and an overview of how the gospel appears in this book. We hope you'll join us then on Simply the Bible. <laughs>